Hey there, welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me, and I'm super excited about it, is Ken Miller, co-founder of Podium, your AI copywriter for podcast show notes, articles, show, social posts, and more, and actually my favorite AI tool at the moment. And also, he's a co-founder of Fathom.fm, and I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but AI podcast player from the future sounds really intriguing. So I cannot wait to dig into that. Welcome, Ken. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, like I said, I just um, uncovered Podium, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And um, it was just blind luck. Honestly, I, I told my friend and she's also a producer of Alpha List, an, uh, an amazing podcast for CDOs. And she actually did a research about every podcast AI tool out there. And all of them had like, eh, okay, that's, that's fine. It does show notes. Okay. It does social posts. Not so good. And then there, there was Podium and uh, after every point, it was great, 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 great. And it was like, okay, that uh, does sound <laughs> like <laughs> you're a bit biased, but I've got to try it. So I went into Podium and I tried the first, I think it was like the first three hours of free, right? And mm -hmm. it worked magic for me, honestly. And now it saves me hours every week. So I'm a devoted uh, customer. So can, can you uh, first talk about your background maybe a little bit and how it led you to building Podium and Fathom? Right, well, thank you so much for, for the kind words. You know, uh, I often say that if you want to build a product and have it be successful, it has to feel like hot, impossible magic, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's really the kind of experience that we're targeting with Podium. And, and a big part of the reason why um, there's a significant difference between the output that you see in Podium versus other like, write my show notes for me, podcast AI tools, is that is because we started with Fathom, right? We started with the listener experience and building a lot of neural networks around that listener experience. We took all of that tech and then build Podium with it. So that kind of explains the difference. My background, you know, I've been a software engineer. I've been in engineering for over 20 years now, held a variety of positions at a lot of startups. You know, um, my last position before this, I had actually made a transition from uh, engineering into research. And so I was actually the uh, director of research and then subsequently the chief research officer at a startup uh, called Intrinio. They're like a post-Series A startup in the financial data space. Um, that was an awesome experience. Uh, and of course, what do I do after making that, that wonderful transition out of engineering into research? I'm right back in the CTO role as the co-founder of Fathom Labs Incorporated. So um, where we started, it, it was actually in early 2020. Um, I had begun to listen to a lot of podcasts and, um, one thing that was kind of glaringly obvious was that search and discovery for podcasts was just broken. Like there was Apple podcasts had a terrible search experience. Spotify had a terrible search experience. 
And I began to wonder, you know, what, what would it look like if we actually just started, you know, setting the, the compute cost issue aside, if we just started transcribing all of the episodes, uh, from the top, like, let's say 2000 podcasts and then built a search engine around that, but not any old search engine. What if we built an AI search engine around it that also supported things like extractive question answering? So spent about a year kind of planking away at that, finally arrived at something that was like a little bit mind blowing, uh, especially at that time, right? Because this is pre-chat GPT. This is, you know, the GPT two days uh, before anybody knew uh, about this tech and like what's actually possible. So I reached out to my co-founder, Paul who, you know, I've known for, uh, since high school, you know, we've known each other over 20 years and worked at a, a few different companies together. And, uh, he had just taken like kind of a year long sabbatical actually as a Zen monk in Japan. And, uh, so he had just come back to That's the United States. Yeah. And, uh, he came back to the United States and, and I was like, Hey Paul, man, I have an AI search engine for podcasts. Let's do a startup. And he was like, sounds great. Let's do it. And, uh, so, you know, Fathom, uh, Fathom Labs was born and, uh, our first product, as I mentioned, was, was the Fathom podcast player spent about two years building that, um, uh, took on, you know, a significant amount of, of, uh, you know, venture capital, <clears throat> um, you know, Jason Calacanis is one of our investors. And, uh, what we came to realize though, was that monetization of a podcast player is a very long road, right? So, um, (laughs) you know, and and the macro economics had shifted substantially um, from 2021 to 2023. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and said, you know, okay, what can we do with what we have, which was, I mean, we trained about 15 different neural networks specifically on podcast data and the construction of the Fathom player. What can we do with this AI tech? uh, for, uh, the podcast creators themselves. And then podium was born and, uh, we launched that in early February and everything's been up and to the right ever since. Okay. Interesting. So your, your co-founder, he just hasn't listened to anything for a year and then he decided, okay, I'm just going to listen to all the podcasts in the world. (laughs) That was an interesting transition. Well, well, I mean, Paul has had, uh, my co-founder, Paul, he's, he's had positions at numerous Bay area, you know, San Francisco startups. And so he's well-versed in the space. He, uh, was the, the lead designer for, um, for another startup kind of pre TikTok, but in that sort of media space called jump cam. Um, so yeah, he was well familiar with the podcast space and in that form of content. Okay. All right. That sounds really exciting. So, uh, and you said you were venture backed, uh, at least with Fathom. What about Podium? Well, the Fathom player and Podium as a product are all under one company, Fathom Labs, right? So, right. So it's, so it's like an umbrella that encapsulates really like the Fathom player is one product line, Podium's another product line. All right. So how did you escape the whole like growth of the company where there are hundreds of people? Because uh, a little bit of a backstory, I actually reached out for, um, I think for my receipt uh, when I purchased my subscription for Podium. And Mm -hmm. then I was already so in love with the product that I wrote to, to your customer support, like, how can I talk to Ken? And 
can reply. It. So <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's kind of unusual. Like every time you try to, and you know, there is like an old hack. Whenever you get an email from a founder, try to reply, and maybe you know he's there or she's there, mm-hmm. and it almost never works. But in this case, it was like I don't know. In five minutes, I received a response from you. So, how involved yeah, are you comes to, in the whole uh, to our customer support um, operational everybody. side of of the business? Yeah, and um, into customer support. Yeah. So you know, at uh, at Podium, everybody on the team is on customer support. So um, you, you know you. At any given point in time, you may even be talking to Dr. Uelvis Gonzalez, like PhD, um, who heads up a lot of our our ML and research stuff. He's an ex-quantum physicist. So people don't know. They think they're talking to a customer support rep. They're actually talking talking to a doctor of quantum physics. Um, But the thing is, you know, we have a small team. We now, especially like through our our Buzzsprout um, partnership, you know, we have over, you know, 2000 paying customer or approaching about 2000, um, subscribers, but we're still a small team. And, uh, a lot of, uh, our investment was spent on building the, the fathom players. So, um, we are currently raising again, but, you know, we had to really cut our burn, you know, really kind of just, you know, be, um, uh, in sync with the current macroeconomics of the market. Right. So, um, so yeah, you know, at, at our company, everybody's on support. Every team member, we actually have shifts right? where we're recovering support throughout the day. Um, for us, you know, we, we have some, uh, like we have certain company values. Um, we want to deliver magic to people, uh, and we want, uh, for people to feel that um, they have a relationship with the product. And, and the easiest way to do that is to, you know, even though we're in the AI space, we're all about being human, you know, human to human contact. Um, we are in the podcast space and what podcasts really are about, um, at least from one perspective is, is human connection. Right, that's true. Uh, okay, so again, a little bit um, about the, the fact that you guys are VC backed, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just asking you because, uh, like, go on Twitter and everyone says AI uh, streamlines every startup journey, so you can um, tie AI, ChatGPT, API, or whatever uh, to your startup or to your idea, and it will cost you next to nothing. And uh, you you get a ready to go startup, right? A ready to go company, a product. So it, the um, kind of the perception right now is that AI is so cheap and it makes everything so fast. So why even go to to VCs at the moment? if, you know, AI makes everything so simple? Well, I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, we uh, began our, our fundraising before the whole chat GPT kind of like, before that entered into the public consciousness. Um, and when we began, we're, we were actually constructing and training our own neural networks. So when you're doing that, there's a lot of R&D involved and, um, and you're going to need some some VC, you know, cash or some form of investment, really, to 
uh, support those R&D efforts, support those deep tech efforts. And there's still plenty of uh, venture capital going into AI. It just tends to be for those companies that are actually constructing neural networks, right? Maybe they're even using, uh, you know, uh, other uh, third-party provider large language models. But uh, if you're constructing your own neural networks, that means you've got R&D involved. That means you're going to need something uh, to get that rocket ship off the ground. Now, if you have discovered, a, a, you know, a niche where it's like there's a problem, it can be solved with AI. It requires a bit of, you know, uh, like a programmatic container around a large language model in order to solve the problem. There's plenty of people right now that are uh, doing the kind of like indie uh, hacker build in public movement or the self-funded movement. And uh, hey, I think that's great. If you can start a company and uh, grow it without any investment capital, like, listen, you're free. Um, and I mean, that, which isn't to say that, that if you take on investment, that you're not free. Um, you know, we have great relationships with our investors. They've been supportive. Um, we haven't run into really any of the problems that... Um, or any of the horror stories that, that you sometimes hear. It's been a completely different experience for us. So I don't think that one is better than the other. I think that, you know, uh, that you got to use the right financial tools for the job at hand. And if you're facing a lot of research and development and some actual like construction of neural networks and training of them, then maybe taking on investments a good idea. If you th think you can get the job done and uh, without any kind of... Uh, serious R&D involved, go for it, you know? And generally speaking, I would say that if you're doing a startup, the thing you want to get to as quickly as possible, especially in this particular economic environment, is you want to be default alive, right? You want to be in a position where no matter what, you're not going away, right? And uh, yeah, part of the issue with taking on investment is that you can suddenly ramp up your workforce, right? But then you need to find the revenue to continually support that. So you're in a kind of precarious position. Whereas if you're just sort of building it from scratch with no investment, you can grow at a rate where uh, the, the company is essentially self-sustaining. Okay. Yeah, it completely makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Like, uh, Nothing wrong with uh, just slapping an AI API onto your product if it uh, resolves the problem. But if you if you're working on something bigger, uh, then sure you probably need investment. And uh, that said, it goes into my next question: uh, into slapping the AI API or, or whatever uh, solution to your product. Uh, another thing that we discussed here on the podcast is that. Um, some, sometimes it feels a bit unfair at the moment for, for founders that started their companies earlier. So they've been growing them, you know, and building them from scratch, uh, step by step. And now basically anyone with an AI solution can come and, and reach the same, um, at least product development state, obviously not marketing, right? Yeah. Because you still have to sell your product, but basically develop the product to a point or even to a greater point than uh, founders that have been working 
on something like that for years. So what do you think about that? Well, I think all is fair in love and business. <laughs> you know, you can't cry over spilled milk, you know. Um, it's business. Technology is going to change. You need to be prepared for that. I'm sure that, uh, you know, 120 years ago or so, there were plenty of blacksmiths walking around, you know, really upset about the, the, the you know, True. all, all yeah. the changes in metalwork. I'm sure that as the printing press was, uh, was invented, that there were tons of scribes super upset, you know, like, oh, look at these letters. These letters have no character, no style. They're not handwritten. These are, they're terrible. They're garbage. I think that you just have to, listen, if you're going to get into the startup game, you just need to be prepared for anything because anything can shift at a moment's notice. And I mean, if you are a, a startup, whether you're, you're venture backed or not, and you're building off of open AI, I mean, you need to be prepared for the whims of Sam Altman, you know, like at any moment they, they could change something and they could have a dramatic impact on your business. If, if, you know, 80% of what you do is, is wholly dependent upon the fact that GPT four exists, you know, I I've, don't really look at the fact that, uh, startups, even, even in our space can, can do things, you know, faster and better. Now I, I just see that as, as a challenge and certainly with podium uh it's interesting right because so as a general category what podium represents is a new node in the podcasting value chain that suddenly appeared right so what's in this chain well it starts with this thing right a microphone so uh and then from a microphone it's going into your recording software like riverside what we're using right now right so um and then from there what are you going to do with it well some people will upload it to descript and edit it a bit cool right that's me and then from there where is it going to go from there <laughs> now it, after descript it used to go into your rss host right but now it goes into podium so and we have other competitors in the space and they really occupy this new node that has appeared in that value chain um and then of course you know just to continue the value chain from podium into your rss host then load it into a player and then into a listener's ear, right? So, <clears throat> so there's this new node that's appeared in a value chain and you're seeing this actually across many, many industries, right? Nobody saw large language models coming. They've appeared on the scene and now there's a new thing everybody's doing in these value chains, right? That's really kind of like a game changer. But in, in our particular case, while there are several other uh, competitors out there uh, to Podium, to your point, there's a pretty big difference when you run your audio through, right? And, and the reason for that is because we had a two-year head start. And so we don't merely just take your transcript and, and throw it at, at ChatGPT. We actually use other neural networks are working to actually, like several, like 15 of them, are working to actually construct the input into ChatGPT. So it's neural networks on neural networks for us, it's neural networks all the way down. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. 
Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Parametrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Okay, that's that's awesome. And you know, uh, I already said I absolutely love the product. I'm not going to to try and like sugarcoat it and say it's no. perfect all the way. Sometimes it yeah, it messes up my show notes, but it's you know, uh, it's this or working hours through an episode, just scraping everything you gotta scrape and trying to to put it into something nice. So I I will take what Podium gives me any day. Right. But um, oh, I was just yeah. gonna say, yeah, you know, you can't. AI is not at a point right now where it's gonna get you to a hundred percent. It's just not. Whereas other offerings in our space maybe get you to sixty five, seventy percent. You know that our whole goal was like, well, can we get you to eighty five percent? Can we get you just a little bit higher than everybody else? Um, I think that's pretty right, precise. You know, yeah. and, uh, and also just, just save you time, especially when it comes to things like chapter timestamps. I mean, come on, what are you going to do? You're going to read through your whole transcript and figure out where those segment breaks are. And we know from the, from the fathom player side that when you include chapter timestamps, you actually get higher engagement. So if we see a podcast that had been publishing their episodes and not including any timestamps in their show notes, and then suddenly they start doing it, their engagement goes up. So, um, so it's, it's, it's great now that, you know, you don't have to spend that hour, you know, even what an hour long episode, even if you're a speed reader, maybe you, you have 30, 40 minutes of time that you got to spend going through and figuring out, okay, there, there's a good break. Right. So yeah, you know, it's, it's a huge time saver. And what I think what I'm most excited about is, is we're at a certain point today. And everybody kind of like knows about, if you look at the progression from like GPT-3 to GPT-4, so people get it now, right? It's like, whoa, there's, <laughs> I was using Chad GPT. And then if you, you're a paying subscriber and you're using GPT-4, you're like, whoa, this is like next level. It's not perfect yet, but it's a fairly significant jump. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so people are are seeing that progression happen over, the last year. Well, what they don't know is that before chat GPT came on the scene, there was actually uh, GPT three, uh, which was not trained for, for chat specifically, but it was in trained for instruct before that was GPT two and GPT one, right? Going all the way back to like early 2019, I think. So there was actually, before this all entered into the public consciousness, that the, we've seen in the AI space, all of these progressions forward. So what am I getting at? Well, what I'm getting at is what I'm excited for is four years from now, because four years from now, it's not going to be the case where it gets you to 85%. Four years from now, it's going to get you to 130%. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I mean, if now... I can save myself so many hours and, you know, it's good 
I again not sugarcoating it. I do still have to like check if uh, some names are bought oh, or right. like uh, if I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, some part of that doesn't really make sense. Uh, but hey, it's just so good. And like you said, it's and I'm a fast reader. Uh, but still those 40 minutes, I mean, it's 40 minutes to prepare for the podcast, right. 40 minutes to do the podcast. 40 minutes to edit the podcast, 40 minutes. Right. It all starts, <laughs> it's a lot of 40 it all, minutes. It all starts a adding up. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of podcasters out there for yeah. whom their podcast is kind of like, a, a, you know, and even if they have a large audience, it's a real labor of love for them, you know, and they've been spending years um, uh, putting their time and their effort into their podcast. And so, uh, but it's not necessarily like, paying all of their bills or anything like that. So anything we can do to keep them on the mic, doing the fun thing, having the fun conversations and reduce the time to publishing. Um, you know, uh, we get a love letter every day. I think maybe one of my favorite parts about this business is, you know, and, and those words really do kind of like keep us going and keep us motivated to, to kind of like push the quality even higher. Yeah. Oh, I read some of your testimonials. I think my favorite one was um, Fathom did to audio what Google did to text. Oh, yeah. For, for the for the and it was like, wow, I have to I have to try it now because, you know, I love Podium now. And uh, after I read it, I actually applied to be on Fathom because it's not a uh, sauce and bound is not listed there. So, you know, fingers crossed to get there oh, soon. Well, yeah, well, I, <laughs> I will um, definitely get you added uh, to, yeah. to to the platform. Yes. You know, I mean, that's that that's another challenge that that we've faced as a startup and, and i think maybe for this particular audience it might be a bit instructive so what do you do when you've built a product it's got traction and you'll see this happen a lot in the uh direct to consumer space okay you built a product that has some consumer traction but you're looking at the numbers you got to pay attention to the numbers and you're and, and you look at it and you're like you know getting to a million users here we're looking at like four years, maybe, you know, and uh, so so the road to monetization is really long. And we spent a long time building this. It's great. But marketing is hard. It's hard to cut through the noise. Um, and so then you decide to pivot. You know, what do you do? Do you kill off the product that you were building? And just stick with your pivot? Or do you keep it going? Right? Like, so that, that's really one of the issues that we faced with the Fathom player. Um, we ultimately decided to keep it going because what it represents is it represents a foothold at the end of the podcasting value chain, right? So Podium is occupying this new node in the podcasting value chain. And then at the very end of that value chain, we've got the Fathom player, right? So... Anytime you have a solid foothold in two nodes within a value chain, um, you can actually begin to basically like halo effect, right? So for instance, some things that we haven't done on Podium, like, oh, you sign up for Podium, you get boosted within the Fathom algorithms, right? So there's all kinds of sort of synergistic levers you can begin to pull. Now, if you, when you pivot from a consumer product into like say a, a B2B space, 
if you're not in, if you're on a completely different value chain, well, then you might want to think about shutting that thing down. Um, but what I really wish is that that we had more um, engineering uh, capacity to really do more with the Fathom player because we've been so focused on on getting Podium off the ground. But we kept the Fathom player going because we actually use um, a lot of that user feedback that that we get from within the app to help refine our, our neural network. So um, and, and it's it's awesome because it creates even a better discovery experience for Fathom listeners. And then it creates better output for Podium podcasters too. So, uh, you know, when, when users are clipping and saying what they like within, within a podcast, well, that's instructive for our AI to figure out where the good clips are within audio that you upload to Podium, for instance. So, um, yeah, so, uh, I, but I, so we're definitely, uh, you know, keeping Fathom, uh, as a player going. And then, you know, the, the goal is in the future, once, uh, once kind of like the totality of the podium vision has been realized, we'll begin devoting more engineering resources to really pushing that player product, uh, further. Okay. That makes complete sense. And, uh, it, just one thing that I wanted to share because, uh, when I was onboarding onto the Fathom player, I re first of all, I really loved the flow, but what struck me the most was at the end of it, uh, when it says, share us on Twitter and you're not just sharing, uh, you on Twitter, it actually gives you a list of different like logos and, uh, all kinds of like brand stuff that you can share and you can use or, uh, you know, and also uh, use it in different colors and stuff so that maybe it, I don't know, matches your um, whatever you've been posting already. So, and when I got to it, I thought, oh my God, that was absolutely a brilliant move. So how did you get to it? And um, does it work for you? Do people actually share? Uh, are, are you referring to the the Fathom product or or to Podium? Fathom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fathom, I'm I'm unsure. Do, do we actually have that flow? I'm wondering which app you actually downloaded. I'm wondering <laughs> if maybe you ended up. So did you download the Fathom podcast player? I, I mean, we do have an onboarding flow. Um, I'm not sure. No, it was just. So when you go to claim your podcast to access Fathom's audio intelligence you can add your podcast and then goes to type form and in the type oh, form, when you get I'm, to the I'm end. I'm wondering, are, are, are you looking yeah. on, on, on the website or within the application itself? Yes. I, I'm not. No, on oh, the website. Okay, okay. Let me uh, look really quick. You know what? Oh, oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think there's, there's a lot of different features and there's also stuff that has, has been worked on that, uh, on the marketing side that, that I haven't touched on the marketing and design side. So, so, you know, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I, I think my co-founder and, uh, and his team actually maybe built out that entire flow. So I couldn't, I couldn't speak to it directly, but generally speaking, um, <clears throat> with regards to like sharing, right. In referrals, uh, this does kind of like strike at the heart of how we, um, look at growth within our, our company. So we use a, a funnel that's called ARG, right? And it's basically, um, awareness activation, 
uh, uh, retention, re uh, revenue and referrals, right? So that's, that's actually how we analyze our company kind of top to bottom. Uh, we see it as a funnel that starts with awareness and that goes into activation. And for us in our particular case, it, then we're looking at revenue, then we're looking at retention, and then we're looking at referrals. So, um, we, we, we play this game actually it, we have an interesting setup where like anybody on our team, uh, it's like marketing is everybody's job, right? And growth is everybody's job because we don't have a dedicated, um, marketing position right now. So, uh, for a while, what we were doing is we had two week competitions. We actually, at the end of our standups every day, review our entire funnel with the whole team every single day. And oh wow. Right. So everybody on the team That's intense. <laughs> well, because it get it it gets it drilled into your head. And you know, we want everybody asking the question because uh from a like a management standpoint, we tend to give a lot of, you know, kind of like free reign over over what it is you're doing. You know, I mean we guide things obviously, but when you drill growth into every team member's brain every single day what you get is as they're working they're asking themselves is this contributing to one of those graphs you know uh because everything you're doing ultimately should be making some graph either continue to go up into the right or if it's not going up into the right it should be making it go up into the right so and we would actually do this competition where uh and it would run on a two-week cycle. And anybody on the team, doesn't matter what department you're in, picks one line on within the funnel, because there's within our funnel, there's uh, you know, about I don't know, like 30 different charts <laughs> that that we have. I mean, we fly through it. It's only like a like a four-minute okay. process. But everybody on the team would pick a line uh that is not moving up into the right. And in that two weeks, they would see, is there anything I can do? to make this move up into the right. And then uh, at the end of the two week period on Friday, uh, we would all, uh, you know, kind of present our line, you know, did it move up into the right or did it not? And, uh, and then also what we did to attempt to make it go up into the right, what we learned about um, that particular metric. And then we would all vote to see, uh, you know, uh, who, who we thought actually was the the master growth marketer for the for for the last two weeks so <laughs> That's which exciting. is all to say that yeah you will see at the end of a lot of our flows um a, a prompting to share and to actually refer because that is the last step at the end of our growth funnel is referral so we're really big about referrals um, because at, at the bottom, that, that referral step then feeds back into the top of the funnel, right? Which is awareness. So if you can get all those things going up and to the right, you look at your awareness, it just keeps going up and up and up. When you look at your activation post awareness, up and up and up and up revenue, up and up and up and up retention, at least steady, and then referrals up and up and up and up. It's those referrals are going to feed back into the top of the funnel. And you're going to create a virtuous growth cycle, right? And so that engine begins to power itself and you're not having to uh, spend as much time uh, actually marketing, you know, and this is the, this is another great point for anybody who's kind of like in an early stage startup listening to this. There's a real tent. You see a lot of startups and it's like, 
who do we have as a founder? Um, you know, you, maybe you've got an engineer and a hustler, right? Or maybe you have an engineer and a designer, right? Um, or even potentially like, like an engineer and, and, and a marketer, right? Which you're seeing a lot more now. Uh, the engineer and the marketer combination is actually one of the most powerful. Uh, because what I've, what I've come to learn when you have an engineer and a designer, which I think is the most common and what I mean by designer, that's kind of all encompassing, right? That's like user experience design, graphic design, somebody who makes it look hot. Um, what ends up happening is the engineer is all about product and the designer is all about product. My product. It's like the most important thing in the world, but it's not the truth. Here is the reality. Distribution is king. And, uh, what you want to focus on, uh, even before you build, don't even build your product just see if you can get it out there, something about it out there. See if you can create buzz, do that first. And, uh, if you're successful in that, it's going to save you a tremendous amount of pain in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, just on that note, um, in my previous job, uh, I was a marketer at this low code platform and for a long time, we were just so focused on user experience and like how to make programming cool for developers. Like, uh, some of them don't want to program hard anymore. So we're, we're going to, um, make sure low code is there. Someone still wants to program. So, you know, let them program. And, uh, at the end. Uh, we realized that uh, whatever they build there, they actually have to sell it. And if you're an indie right. hacker that comes to the platform to to leverage it and to build something super fast, <clears throat> our best work would be to create a flow where this platform will also help them sell the product. Brilliant. And that's yeah. when, you know, the entire yeah the entire vision just pivoted and um yeah it was it was a lot of fun so completely agree with you so that said um what has been your biggest marketing channel and what has been bringing you customers more than anything right well um initially it was actually like reddit was was a huge it kind of kicked everything off i think reddit sometimes something that's overlooked um, because everybody's so focused on like, oh, I gotta have like TikTok videos or I need to have, you know, um, I was afraid of Reddit for right. so long. Uh, it can kind of seem like an abyss. <laughs> so many rules. Right. Uh, sometimes. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. Well, and that's what stops people are the rules, right? So maybe you find like a Reddit, uh, or, uh, or a subreddit and you're like, oh, you know, this is like the perfect place for me to put my, my product out there. Um, but then you look at the rules and like, it's like, you know, you, you have to give the blood of your firstborn child to, to post anything in there commercially, yes. you know, uh, and that, that's going to scare you away because oftentimes, you know, in the startup world, we're looking for like fast, quick, quick, go, you know, ready, fire, aim. So, um, uh, my recommendation there is like, don't overlook it. Actually take the time, write the moderators. And if you have a product that you're building that is actually like super cool and great for that particular Reddit audience. And it's going to help them and offer value. It's especially good if there's something of value that you can offer beforehand. 
right to uh to people uh we found that the moderators they'll just like they'll give us the thumbs up like yeah sure that this looks cool go, go ahead and post and then next thing you know you know you have 500 visitors you know so um reddit has been an amazing channel at least especially in, in the beginning and you know where, where do you sell milk you sell milk in the milk aisle right that's where you want your ad uh if you're selling milk you want an ad for your milk right where people are pulling milk out so um you know you really want to it's going to vary kind of across the board and for us um almost every podcaster has a twitter right it's it's almost kind of like mandatory now not all of them but a lot so we really have invested heavily into our twitter presence and uh like our marketing on twitter um for us in particular it's been interesting because uh, traffic on Twitter will get you a lot of mobile traffic, but that for us, that's not necessarily like the highest converting traffic. We really want people to visit like the podium site for the first time on their desktop or wherever it is that they do, they're doing their production work for their podcast. So that's been kind of interesting. Um, you know, trying to target people, uh, or podcasters, like when they're on their desktop, uh, Google's worked really well for that. Um, a lot of it's now word of mouth, you know, uh, people really love the product. And so they tell all their podcasters have podcaster friends. Um, you know, be, that's how I got right. It. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're in the space. They interview other podcasters, right? So when they find something good and it's, it's such a cool community of people, um, you know, but when they find something good, they, they definitely tend to, uh, share it. In particular, because they're also they kind of like want to look like a uh, like a thought leader in their field, right? So if they found something new and cool, it's like I found it first. It's like wearing the T-shirt of a band or something, you know. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit. That's true. So, um, so yeah, so so referrals has been really really good for us. And then of course, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Buzzsprout, which is uh, like the number two RSS host by podcast uh, episode publishing volume. Um, and they just, they have massive, massive distribution over a hundred thousand, like active paying podcasters. Well, they went and, uh, they wanted to build uh, a podium like feature into their product. So they approached us and, um, we had an API and we've since basically, uh, made it enterprise grade. I have a lot of experience in engineering APIs, So, so that really came in handy. And, um, through them, they've been such an awesome partner. Uh, not only, you know, uh, is the co-host AI product very well loved on their side, but when we launched things like Podbook, right, which is our new, uh, product at Podium that basically takes your entire content library and adapts it into like a book like form, they actually sent a link out to it in their newsletter to 400,000 podcasters completely blew up our wait list. Oh no, that's why I'm not even moving up the wait list. Right. <laughs> hey, if you're on there, we're talking. So I, I will move you up. You know, we're doing, we, uh, we're, we're connections. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you, it's all about who you know. Um, yeah. If you're on the wait list, yes. yeah, I'll, 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 I'll hook you up and I'll start taking a look at your content. The, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. The, the interest in it's been super, super. Uh, fantastic. It, it literally, I mean, we kind of knew it would be popular, but I'd say it's like five or six times more popular than we had even imagined. 
Um, it's, it's a little bit slow going right now because, um, we worked with some limited content while we were building the initial algorithms. And, um, as we've taken on kind of like our first batch of podcasters, um, in, in this beta, kind of like our first beta co cohort, we're learning a lot about, um, the kinds of challenges, uh, that, that end up being faced when you're trying to take hundreds of hours of audio in some cases. 400 hours of audio and then writing a you know 60 to 90,000 word book out of that content with AI in its current state today. Um so yeah, so so we're learning a lot and refining those algorithms as we go through the through the process. So it might be a, two or three weeks before I get back to you, but when I do, it's going to be pretty push button and we'll get your okay. we'll get your content going. All right. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Thank you again. All right, I have just a couple more questions, sure. and uh, the first one is the is the one that everyone gets. What so far been for you as a founder, or for Podium and Fathom, the biggest win and the biggest failure? The biggest win and the biggest failure. Oh, that's that's tough. There's been a lot of wins and a lot of failures, you know. Um, Oh yes. <laughs> right. So, you know, with, uh, for podium by far and away, the, the biggest win was our partnership with Buzzsprout. And, um, you know, they had taken a look at several other competitive options in our space and we, uh, ultimately won out. And how, how did we win out? Here's what's really funny about podium as, as a product. It's almost kind of ridiculous because there's very little UI behind it, as you've probably noticed, right? It's like you upload your audio. We that's what we I love literally about it. give you text files, literally just give you text. And what's funny is the reason why we do that is because it was just a market test for a pivot, you know. And so we're like, you know what? Let's let's go so fast. Let's not even build a UI. Let's just give them a zip file with all of the AI output. And as it turned out, that's actually a feature. People love it because they're like, oh, I don't got to like screw around in your UI or anything. I can just slice and dice it. I know everybody knows how to use a text file. So it ended up being a feature. It's funny because we are adding in quite a bit more UI that we're working on now, but now we're always going to have to have the option to just download the whole package, you know? Um, so anyhow, because we didn't tackle the UI uh, or like a really complicated UI first, we really, really freed us up to put more time into the quality. And so when uh, Buzzsprout was evaluating options in the space, they stumbled on Podium. They're like, whoa, this is not the same, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> compared to the other options out there. And ultimately uh, that ended up helping us win uh, the, the business from them. And, you know, they have, I mean, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but by rough calculations, maybe 25% market share when it, as, as an RSS host, they are the number two RSS host behind Spotify. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that as far as, as far as, you know, actual distribution goes Yeah, and, it, and it's been quite huge for us. So I would say by far and away, that's besides like landing significant funding, like as a company. That's been our biggest win within the marketplace. Um, our biggest. It is a pretty big win. <laughs> yeah. Our biggest <laughs> failure. 
You know, this, this is a hard one. I think it's, it's hard sometimes as entrepreneurs to really like face our mistakes. But one mistake I can definitely say that we made was, um, so we closed our seed round funding. Uh, so we kind of like raised a pre-seed in 2021. Uh, we were accepted into Jason Calacanis's launch and, um, you know, got some investment there. And then ultimately, um, you know, raised a seed round from multiple investors, but also including Jason Calacanis's syndicate. And that all closed in early, very, very early of 2022, you know, and thank God, God for that, because everything started to go sideways immediately thereafter. Right. So we spent, yeah, we, we spent, uh, we had kind of launched a, a very simple V1 of the Fathom player um, uh, early on, like actually right before like the seed round closed, we, we launched it on uh, iOS and it was cool. We wanted to get this new innovative like podcast search tech out into the marketplace and start learning. So we did a good job there in getting that out quickly. What, and what we learned is that when it comes to a podcast player, that there's a lot of like, kind of like uh, parody features that you need to have, uh, that have kind of been built out over the last, you know, um, 15 years or so of having like podcast be a thing. So we realized that like, while Fathom was cool, it was following like retention wise into this novelty category. And that's not what you want right? You really need, if you're going to be successful in the consumer space, you need retention numbers up above 35% minimum, minimum. You want somebody, you know, three months from now, you still have like 30% of your users coming back week after week after week after week. And that's hard. That's why, why the consumer space is, is, is quite difficult. Um, and we just weren't seeing those those numbers. We were able to get people to download it and try it, no problem. But we weren't seeing those retention numbers and in, in doing user interviews. We realized that, um, yeah, we needed to add all, all of these parody features, the ability to download episodes, right? Um, and uh, and, and a, a, a sleep timer, right? Just a lot, but, it's, but there were a lot of them. And they're little tiny features and they take engineering time to do, which is really difficult. When you're trying to build the podcast player from the future, you know, you're, you're investing heavily into the AI side of things, doing a lot of AI tricks, but then you also need to actually have a door handle on the door. You're like, who knew? Um, so we went back to the drawing board and we, uh, started designing, started engineering for V2 of the player that included everything. And that ended up turning into, uh, an eight month long engineering cycle. Uh, yeah, just a lot of contractors, um, a lot of, uh, you know, our, our time internally. And what we actually ended up doing, we shut off all the marketing for, for Fathom because it would just burn. Like it, we were adding users, oh, wow. but it wasn't, okay. yeah, it wasn't, they weren't retaining. So we made the tough decision. We said, we're shutting off all the marketing. We're going back to the drawing board. We're going to do V2 and we're going to completely knock it out of the park. But it took, but rather than shipping iteratively, we took eight months to do it. And that burned a lot of cash. We launched, you know, and uh, there's people who download the Fathom player and stop using Spotify. That's not, that's no easy feat. 
Um, but, uh, I, I think that if we had to do it all over again, um, maybe we would have taken a, 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 a far more iterative approach, right. To the launching of features rather than this just massive, um, engineering cycle that I think ultimately, uh, kind of put us in a bit of a squeeze when it came time to pivot, you know? Um, because like when you're building in, in the dark, you're not gaining users, you're not gaining mind share and all of that kind of stuff. It's great to do the whole stealth mode thing, but if you're, if you're going to do the whole like long-term, you know, nearly a year stealth mode thing, you don't need 2 million in funding. You need 10 million in funding. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, at least, you know, lesson learned. Lesson learned. So, no problem. Um, you know. There, I remember there is a saying, uh, it's not, it's not a, a mistake or it's not a, oh my God, it's not a failure. It's an expense. So, um, yeah, I think in your case, maybe it was the same. <laughs> it, it, well, just it was just, it was just, really the, it was just, the, well, it, yeah, it was just ultimately the, the cost of, of, of learning, you know? And I mean, I could definitely, and, you know, it wasn't a failure. It ultimately like ended up in us shipping a, a, a great product, but I don't think company wise and business wise, it maybe was the, 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 the best thing to do. And again, this speaks to the fact that if you're coming at this, if you're a solo founder or you have a co-founder and one of you is a designer or in a UX person and the other one's an engineer, your blind spot is going to be marketing and distribution and understanding that that needs to come first, not like an afterthought, right? It doesn't matter what you build. Nobody cares about what you build until you make them care, right? So um, start there, make people care about what you're building. And in fact, I think that's why um, some of the, the indie hacker stuff is actually like super cool because um, that whole build in public idea what you're actually doing is you're gaining mind share as you're developing the product. You know, maybe if I had to do it all over again, if we just had to do this eight month long engineering and design cycle, maybe we should have just done it all in public, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a valid thought. Uh, and I completely agree. Uh, when I see sometimes indie hackers like on Twitter, just sharing absolutely everything, we became RAM and profitable. We're no longer RAM and profitable. We failed. We gained two new customers and super happy. Uh, and you like, it's like watching episodes. It's like, it, it's a new Netflix, right? So you start like taking care of these guys and like try to try to go and visit their product hunt page and all that so completely understand mm -hmm. yeah building in public is a really great uh, we actually, thing we actually have competitors right. in the space who are doing it but we're like friends with them like we actually get excited to like see them <laughs> succeed just because or so you yeah say. Or so i say or maybe i'm just being tricky <laughs> you know uh, no, no, we, we actually yes. have, have, uh, you know, competitors who I think that there's, I think in any space, I love, I love competition. I think it's great. Um, and I love great, good competition. You have it every two weeks. <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, you know, in, in part, part of the, the reason why, why we try to have good relationships with our competitors, it's like you're, you're playing a friendly game. 
and uh, you're going to push each other to do better and better and better. And we're just very confident in our skills. Okay. Yeah. And you have a reason to. So my last question is about a hack. If you can share a hack that works for you and it can be related to anything engineering, uh, I don't know, uh, being sane in the whole building a startup game or customer acquisition, retention, marketing, whatever, uh, something that works for you works every time. And maybe it's not by the book but you love it. Right. Okay. I'll give you th three quick ones, uh, kind of across to different spaces. Yes, and the last please. one, <laughs> the last one's disgusting. Um, <laughs> as far as like, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost a little, okay. it's, it's we'll almost a little bit gray hat. Okay. <clears throat> Hack number one, every person on your team as a startup, if you're less than, uh, you know, 15 employees, everybody's responsible for growth. Every single person, uh, ever at the end of every standup, every single day, review the growth funnel. Everybody is responsible for growth. They should be telling their friends. They should be telling, do whatever you can do. Literally print stickers and, uh, you know, put them on gas pumps. Okay. Like everybody's responsible for growth. How many friends Just... did you tell? about podium today <laughs> no seriously so like you know and pick a chart and make it move hopefully up and to the right but even if if you even if you pick a chart and you make it crash you just learn something and in in growth and marketing it's all about learning it's the most important part of uh, doing a startup so that's kind of like hack number one everybody's responsible for growth hack number two everybody's on customer support the entire team right and everybody takes shifts and, uh, in fact, when you, if you have a new hire, uh, the only thing they should be doing for the first two weeks is, is customer support. Right. And I mean, this isn't like a hack hack and this is, uh, you know, a, a common strategy, but it can sometimes be overlooked. If you have an intercom button, uh, everybody should be on, on intercom and because that's the only way that you're going to be connected to the people who are using the things that you're building every day. So. That's uh, kind of like hack number two, right? Everybody is on customer support. Hack number three. And just to kind of like on the hack number two, there obviously you need to schedule time for deep work, okay? Especially if you're in engineering or design, but, but everybody should be spending a little bit of time on support. Hack number three, and this is a really interesting one, and it won't apply to everybody. Is it the disgusting one? <laughs> it's 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 kind of the it's kind of the the gray hat one. I shouldn't even be talking about it here, to be perfectly honest. But okay, if and this is more of Please this do. is more of an engineering hack. Okay, um, if you have data in your product, data that could potentially be useful. Okay, um, to uh, like data scientists, right? So data scientists use this language called R a lot, especially in academia. The interesting thing about R as a language, as opposed to Python or, uh, you know, uh, JavaScript is that the R package system is actually distributed across, uh, numerous universities across the entire world. Okay. So when you upload a package into, uh, the R ecosystem as a language, it's actually getting distributed to the domains of all of the major universities across the entire world. 
This package management system is very old. So the links in the descriptions of your packages don't have no refs. All right. So uh, if you are able to create an R package for your software in a legitimate way, right? Like it's legitimately useful to data scientists. You let's just say you may be able to dramatically increase your SEO uh, by shipping that package and including links to like your sign up page. Okay. So like I said, that's scrappy, super scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch. Okay. I just, I just ruined it. I just ruined it for everybody. They'll find out about it. Anyhow, something to think about from an engineering perspective. Uh, but yeah, it is super scrappy. And again, you know, don't like put out junk R packages out there. I'm, I'm talking about if like, for instance, on our side, right, we have hundreds and hundreds and of thousands of, of, uh, podcast transcripts. I haven't actually even done this particular hack, uh, for, for our startup, although I've been thinking about it. <laughs> so, cause we have all or of this, so yeah, we have all of this <laughs> podcast data. And I think that, you know, there's a real opportunity to actually, uh, you know, create some really cool open source packages for people to utilize that data. Okay. Tomorrow, uh, on, on SAS group, website looking for our engineer or what is it <laughs> our programmer we shouldn't or... i know suddenly see <laughs> suddenly see but our yeah. engineers like the language shoots up right all because of marketing <laughs> which again goes to show you distribution yes. is king yeah yeah that's true okay those were really super cool and i enjoyed the conversation immensely honestly uh like i said at the beginning first of all i love the product and now you know, um, talking to you uh, got me even more excited about Fathom as well. And uh, honestly, by talking to founders, I completely understand the um, the trend of buying from people, not from companies, right? Because founders just uh, get this fire going about their products, and you certainly have one uh, that's really big. So. Thank you for talking about Podium and Fathom the way you just did. And uh, please continue doing your magic. I will. Thanks for having me on, Anna. Thank you and take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.